will sit. I will sit. I will sit. I will sit. I will sit in the chair of change. Who needed a few Kleenex, right? Man, thank you so much, uh, worship team, but uh, Caleb and Brianna, my goodness, beautiful. You know, if you know, uh, if you know their story, you know the words are even richer and more meaningful, and that's true uh, for all of us, really. Uh, it's been an exciting week for us here at Vertical. Uh, we had uh, 10 plus that we took to a conference this week, a creative church conference, and uh, volunteer and some staff as well, and uh, volunteers and some staff as well. We learned some things that we hadn't learned before, and it's good. It's good to grow. It's good to learn some things. Uh, uh, Caleb and the worship team, I think they've got seven, are going to a different conference this next week. They're going to a conference uh, just about worship, and uh, it's good to go and learn and grow. Amen? Find out some things you hadn't known before and experience some things you haven't experienced before and change. And uh, one of the things that was also exciting about this past weekend was our extreme Elevate uh, Disciple Now two days that happened right here. Man, uh, Micah uh, in our Elevate ministry and the volunteers did such an amazing job at putting together a weekend for these fifth and sixth graders. I've got some pictures. Let me show you a group picture first uh, of all of this group. That's our fifth and sixth graders here at Vertical. Isn't that awesome? They're in there. Yeah, give them a hand. They look great. Uh, volunteers are there with them. And uh, of course, they're pouring their life out. They, they were here and they were having some Nerf wars. But uh, what they were really doing is pouring themselves out for these fifth and sixth graders getting to know them. So if you see some adults wearing some shirts that look like these uh, with a big target on the front, that's what it is. It's from this weekend. And uh, they learned about the things that can be distractions and keep us from experiencing all that Jesus is in our life. So, wow, what a, what a great thing for these, these kids to learn at this age. And uh, they had some Nerf Wars here in this room. So I think you might have another picture or video. Yeah, here's a picture. They are, yeah, it's all black light and the room's kind of all set up. Show that quick video we've got there. Uh, there's another still where they're studying and uh, studying scripture together. Let's see if we can get to one of those videos there. Yeah, there they are running around in this room. Lights are out, neon colors and... Uh, there's some crazy music playing during all of that. So I came up yesterday to see what was going on, and they said, hey, you want a gun? I said, well, sure. So I, I jumped in, and I realized what my age was all of a sudden. <laughs> and so here they are. They decided to use me uh, as target practice. I'm not, I'm not sure how all that happened, but uh, so, you know, I'm still, uh, we've been finding darts everywhere ever since that time. I still, I still got some, you know, every time I... They're here. So if you see some of these laying around the room, that's, that's what they are. It's, uh, it's darts from, from yesterday. But uh, I'm just so grateful for the uh, opportunity for our children to learn more about who Jesus is and uh, to take some extreme routes sometimes for fifth and sixth graders to get there. Very good. Um, 
I'm excited that we're here today as we come upon the last message in our series called Change Me. We've been looking at the words of Jesus in a very powerful discussion he's having with the disciples about what it means to be changed and the work that the Father is doing in us. And, you know, he calls us to be vibrant, living followers of his, ones who are walking with him on a journey. And in that process, on that journey, we are actually being changed. We're not to be ones who are the same as we were last week, last month, a year ago, a decade ago. It almost should be like an insult to us. If we see someone we haven't seen in a long time, and after a few minutes they say, oh, you know what, you haven't changed a bit. Now, if we're thinking about appearance, you know, that feels pretty good if it's been a decade or so. But if they look at our, the way we relate, if they look at who we are as a person, that really shouldn't be the case. We ought to be someone different. There are some things that don't change. Concrete doesn't change, right? You pour it, it sets, it's done. When I was uh, really young, First, second grade, K-5, right in there. Uh, let's, let's just stick with seventh, second grade for just a little bit here. For some reason, my friends and I thought it was cool to make mud balls and throw them at one another. It seemed like a good idea until you got hit by one. It's worse than one of those crazy little Nerf darts. And then we even got the brighter idea that if, if we hid in the garage at night, turn the lights off, that when a car came down the street, Right? We did all that stuff. Not smart. Not recommending that, children. Don't do that. Mud balls kind of got, you know, thought these are cool. So I remember taking a mud ball and I thought, I'm going to try to roll this into a perfect circle. And I, I worked with it, worked with it. I wanted to make it match some of the marbles that I had. I had a collection of marbles. And so I worked with it, worked with it, shaped it, pressed it, squeezed it, put a lot of pressure, kept rolling until I got what I thought was this perfect marble like mud ball. I thought, you know what? I'm going to keep that. I took it inside. I put it in my room. And that thing stayed the same. I mean, a month passed. A year passed. Decade passed. Decades passed. We moved from Oak Cliff. Moved to Ovilla. That thing stayed the same. I've got that mud ball. Let me find it. Yeah, I've got darts. Those darts. Where darts? Where's that mud ball? I got darts. Got darts everywhere. I, here it is. Wait. Dart. Wow. Check it out. This is that mud ball I made. Looks like a, looks like a marble. I know you don't believe me yet. Come up here afterwards. Take a look at it. It's a mud ball, but it is hard. It's solid. It hadn't changed in, since I was in second grade. <laughs> this is what dried dirt does. It stays the same forever. You and I were born from the dirt, but you and I were hardened through sin. You and I were set free by Jesus Christ so that we might not be dirt balls, hardened dirt balls. We have been given life, 
living, breathing, spirit-filled, living in Jesus Christ so that we might be changed. Changed. In an ongoing process, changed. The New Testament says in 2 Corinthians, we all, with our face having been unveiled, having beheld the glory of the Lord as in a mirror, are being changed, ongoingly changed. And he says, in to the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Lord's Spirit. We have been called into a process of change. We should not look like we used to. There ought to be differences about our life that are indications of the Spirit of God in us. Because God is intimately at work in our lives, arranging the events and circumstances to change us, to shape us into the very image of Jesus Christ. And sometimes that change comes because blessing flows to us. Sometimes that change happens because difficulties come to us. And in those moments, we have to turn and trust and lean and yield and let go of old ways of thinking, let go of old patterns, let go of old things we've done and be changed by the Spirit of God. Amen? Amen. That's what he is doing in us. He's revealed his glory to us. He's revealing his glory to us. Glory is what we're all about. That's why we sung about glory this morning, because if we can experience the glory of God, we'll be changed by God. We've put it in this metaphor picture of a a chair for this series. And we've said, I want to sit in the chair of change. I don't want to sit in the chair of defiance. I don't want to sit in the chair of defeat. I don't want to sit in the chair of deflection. Everybody else needs to change, not me. I don't want to sit in the chair of done. I'm through changing. I don't need to change. I want to sit in the chair of continual change. Today's message is called, and this is why. We're going to sum it all up today, verse 8 from our passage, John 15, and talk about this is why. Have you ever had one of those moments where you you were doing something and then finally came that moment where you realized, oh, this is why. You know, like one of those starter logs that they tell you you can put in your fireplace and you can light it and it'll give you a burning fire for about two hours. If you read on the instructions, it says, do not poke or break. If you've never read those instructions and you poke or break that log, you will see, oh, and this is why. That's what will happen. You'll figure it out pretty quick. If you've gone through, through some experiences in your life and you have waited and you've prayed and you said, God, when are you going to answer me? When is, when is my breakthrough going to come? And you wait and you trust and you're patient and you wait and you trust and you don't know why it hadn't come. And then finally one day he surprises you and it comes. And in that moment you say, I get it, God. Now I understand this is why. This is why it took longer than I thought. Because your ways are are not my ways. And this is why. So today, we're going to hear the words of Jesus as he explains to us, this is why. There's a vine. This is why 
He's the true vine. This is why you are the branches. This is why he's the vine dresser. This is why there are seasons. This is why there is pruning. This is why the fruit grows. This is why there are new seasons. And this is why. That's where we're headed today. So John chapter 15, go ahead and turn your Bibles if you've got that with you there. If you have an app, that's awesome. John chapter 15. We're going to do something a little bit different today. Normally I've read the verse to you or I've attempted to quote the whole passage to you because we've, we've kind of been on this challenge as a church to memorize these verses. Because if we can put these verses into our heart, into our life, then they'll become who we are. That's what truth does. Are y'all with me this morning? If you put truth into your heart, put truth into your mind, you will soon start walking in that truth. If you don't put truth in your mind, if you're putting all the junk in your mind and you wonder, how come I never hear from God? It's because you're not putting his truth in you. Because you're not putting his word in you. If you're filling your mind with all that's out on the internet, when you get into a situation, all that's going to come out of you is more internet. If all you got going into you is social media, when you get into a struggle, you get into a need, you get into a discouraged time, all that's going to come out of you is social media. That's what will happen. God says, Abide in me and my word abide in you. Then you ask whatever you want and it'll be given to you. Amen. But I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. So today, these verses, uh, these eight verses, we've got a special treat. I'm going to ask the Stutt family to come up on stage. They have seven in their family. Give them a hand. They have memorized this passage. And so each one is going to say one verse, and then all together they're going to say verse 8. Yeah, you want to go up on stage? We can all see smiling faces and all that stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. Let's get all in order here. Cool. Look at them. Don't they look great? So we're going to start right down here. So say your name, say your verse, hand the mic off, and we'll just walk it all the way down. I'm going to step out of the way. Hi, I'm Sire. John 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Hello, I'm Eli. Verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Hey, I'm Seth. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. I'm Wesley. Verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine... Neither can you unless you abide in me. Yeah. Hi, I'm Caleb. Verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. From apart from me, you can do nothing. Yeah. Hi, I'm Andrea. Verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into a fire, and burned. Hi, I'm Mike. <laughs> I'm going to blow it here. You got it. You if got you it. abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Yeah. Verse 8. Yeah, give him a hand. That is awesome. That's great. Thank y'all so much. Way to go. Way to go. Love that. So there's a good challenge for you as a family to memorize a set of verses or passage all together there. So that's awesome. All right. So John chapter 15, we're zeroing in on verse eight today. Here's what verse eight says as they just 
quoted for us. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Let me give you those context and setting again, as we've done each week. We are approaching the time where Jesus is going to the Garden of Gethsemane. It's about to be a painful event. They've just come from the time of what we call the, the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, and they are about to experience pain. Jesus is about to be arrested, falsely accused. He's about to be led away. It's about to be a very difficult night, and Jesus is talking about fruit. He's reminding the disciples as he reminds us. Everything that happens in your life is for a purpose. There is no random event in your life. The things that have happened in your life this past week as you rewind through them did not happen because of the will of someone else. They did not happen because of just your will. They happened because of the will of your Father in heaven. He is working to produce in you the very character of Jesus Christ. And so he will introduce into your life events that help shape you into that. That is why it is so important that we don't lose perspective so that we don't get frustrated, angry, resentful, bitter at what's happening to us because it has been brought to us by the vine dresser to react against what has happened this past week in your life is to react against the very pruning, working, lifting, encouraging, loving hand of God. Amen? He's all about producing fruit. Let's break this verse down a little bit as we've done each week. Um, it's a little bit different approach than I've taken before to some of the messages. How many of you have enjoyed the kind of word-by-word word or phrase-by-phrase phrase approach to the verse? Everybody good with that? You liking it? Yeah, me too. It's been good. God has taught us some things, so we're going to take that same approach here. Let's take this first phrase here at the beginning of the verse. By this, my Father is glorified. Glorified. Jesus says, I'm about to tell you something that brings glory to the Father. I want to share with you something, he's saying, that really causes us to see God's glory. And that really is what's most important. Apart from the glory of God, there is nothing else. It's the glory of God that, that changes people. It's the, it's the glory of God that causes us to be changed. So we long for those moments where, as it were, eternity was kind of cracked open for just a moment. And we see God for who he really is. We see his justice. We see his mercy. We see his righteousness. We see him high and lifted up, but we see him compassionate. And we see all that he is, and the, there's glory in that, great glory in that. And when we truly experience that, it changes us. Long-term fears are all of a sudden removed. Doubts are erased. Old ways of thinking change. Relationships are healed. The way we've always thought is changed. It comes about because we experience the glory of God. That's why here at Vertical, every Sunday morning and throughout the week, we are praying, God, show us your glory. We're not here just to 
listen to some great music, and maybe hear a guy talk on stage that's got some funny props. That's not what we're about. We're about experiencing the glory of God. Amen? Amen. And Jesus says, I I want you to know how my Father is glorified. How glory is seen. How eternity cracks open for just a, a moment to reveal who he really is. It's a powerful thing because it it happens at times through scripture. It happened in the Old Testament. A man named Isaiah had an experience at a very difficult time in the nation's history. He has an experience where the glory of God is just opened up for him. And he sees a throne. And he sees one on it who is holy and righteous. And in that moment, Isaiah is completely changed He bows down and he confesses his sin, but something significant happens in that moment also. He gets his calling. He gets a purpose for his life. He gets a direction for who he's supposed to be, and it all happened because he experienced the glory of God. You get over the New Testament. I'm just going to mention two of these this morning. You get over the New Testament. Jesus has his 12, but Jesus had some out of the 12. Jesus had a three that he liked to really pull aside, speak to, teach, Peter, James, John. There's an occasion later in the Gospels where Jesus takes them up on a mountain, and it's the three of them. And while they're there, Jesus is changed before them. He, his glory all of a sudden appears It's as though eternity just cracks open for just a moment and they get to see the reality of who he is. And in that moment, they are changed. What's fascinating, it says that they fall down. They're overwhelmed at this glory. And it says next that Jesus went to them and he touched them. He just touched them in that moment. And they were forever changed. It's when the glory of God shows up that stuff like that happens. You get a touch from God. You get a sense of calling and direction. And everything changes. And Jesus is saying, I want to show you. I want you to know what glorifies my Father. I want you to know what causes Him and His glory to be seen. I want you to know how you get to see the reality of who he is because glory changes us. Glory causes us to not be like we were. Glory ignites something on the inside that fills us with life. I've been showing you uh, a grape vine that I bought locally. I put it in a pot, watered it a little bit, kept it in some sun, and what started several weeks ago as just what looked like a stick in a flower pot We've watched change over the past weeks because it has life inside it. I haven't gone over and pulled it and stretched it and made it grow. I hadn't gone over during the week and fussed at it and said, look, I got something this Sunday. You better start growing. I didn't have to do any of that stuff. It had life inside it. All I had to do was encourage it to do what it had in it already. Mm, mm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that one more time. 
All I had to do was encourage what it already had inside it all the time. It already had the life within it. All right, Nick, go, go get our friend. I want you to see what's happened to Mr. Branches on the vine. Is that not crazy? Look at that. Yeah, way to go. When we started, we had this. It was a little stick. There was nothing green. There was no sign of life. All we could see in the moment was what the pruning process left. It had been pruned. And so when I got it, it was just after the pruning. And now we get into this early springtime. It's in its soil. It's been watered a little bit. It's gotten some light. But I did not do this. The life was inside the vine already. It just needed to be encouraged and given some room to grow. And here it is. And the crazy thing is, this thing's just getting started. I don't know where it's going to end up out here. I don't know what's going to happen. I only know that because of the life and the glory that's inside, it can't help but produce life outside. That's what happens. Glory causes change. It always happens this way. So Jesus is about to say, look, I want to show you guys, I want to help you understand what glorifies the Father. I want you to know what's going to cause glory to come forth. Because what glorifies him is going to produce change for others. The next part of the verse says this, that you bear much fruit. In other words, Jesus is saying, here is what glorifies my Father, that you bear much fruit, that from your life comes a lot of fruit, that you have the evidence in you of what's inside of you come out of you. Hello? What's already in you, in the Spirit of God, is encouraged to come out of you to live a life for God. Amen? Fruit. It's, uh, it's good. Fruit's really good. Grapes. This is a grape vine. And Jesus said, much fruit. That's what brings the Father glory, is much fruit. Not just a little. Not just I was a little patient this week. Not just I was a little loving this week. That you bear much fruit. That you become a branch that bears much fruit. That you go through the seasons of pruning, fertilizer, Light, water, being lifted up, cared for, and you bear fruit. Now, we know that the Bible tells us 
what some of the fruit is that's produced in us. Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23, write it down. It says there, the fruit of the Spirit, in other words, the outward evidence of the inward fruit and life in you is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the outworking of the Spirit within us. Now, here's a funny thing. When it comes to life, and as we're going to see as it comes to even truth and God, it's important that you have right perspective. It's important that you understand Scripture from a Jesus bias. Not a self bias. It's possible to misread scripture because you have read it from an entirely selfish perspective and not a Jesus perspective. Let me walk this out just a little bit here. Adam and Eve were placed in the garden with un hold freedom, liberty, trees to eat from. They were deceived by the serpent about one tree they were told to not eat from, and because they had a self-bias in the moment, they believed the lie that God was not good. Because of their self-bias, oh, I might be missing out on something. Oh, I might need, he might be hiding something from me. Their self-bias caused them to misread the entire situation and they fell into sin. They chose sin. They didn't fall into it. They chose it. Their self-bias led them there. If you have a self-bias, you will misread life. You'll misread situations. You'll walk up into a conversation that some people are having, and if you have a self-bias, you'll start listening to this conversation a little bit, and your self-bias will say, I bet they're talking about me. All this negative talk, I know they're talking about me. Mm, look at the way she's looking at me. Mm-hmm, she better not be looking at me like... <laughs> right? You ever had that happen to you before? You're in a certain situation, and you're like, you better watch out. I saw the way you looked at me. I don't know who you think you are. But... And maybe you made the foolish decision to go confront them about that. And they're like, I don't know what you're talking about, dude. <laughs> Ma'am, I don't know what you're talking about. That was not anywhere on my mind. But self-bias will do that to you. It'll cause you to completely misread a situation because you're all consumed with you. You're all consumed with how people see you, about your fears, your insecurities, your needs, you this, you that. And because you don't interpret the situation from a Jesus perspective, you miss out. You walk away offended instead of changed. Amen? You walk away offended instead of seeing God at work. And you walk away offended instead of seeing the people in that situation as needing some love from you, as needing Christ in their life, of needing some encouragement. Self-bias will do that. Are you with me this morning? Yeah. 
Self-bias will cause you to miss out on what's happening. Self-bias will cause you to miss out on what's going on in a situation. Self-bias will cause you to totally miss life because you'll, you'll be interpreting life about how it makes you feel. Oh, I, just, I just don't feel right about this situation. Well, it's not about you and your feelings. It's not about how you feel. It's about the truth of God and what he's doing in your life. Interpret it by that. Put your feelings on the shelf for just a moment and let truth speak to you. Self-bias will do that to you. So let me give you an example. When it comes to our verse we're talking about today, our verses I just mentioned to you, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, it's very tempting for all of us to interpret those with a self-bias. Let me walk this out just a little bit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, love joy, peace, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Very nice. Good job, everybody. If you're not careful, self-bias will make you read and quote those verses and say, Oh, Lord, I do need more love in my life. I just need to feel more love. God, I just need to feel more joy in my life. I'm just, I'm always fresh. I need to feel more joy. God, I just need to feel more peace in my life. I just need peace in my life. As though those fruit were for us only, right? As though they were just meant to come to us. I'm gonna give you a big tip off hip of, hint of where I'm headed today. Fruit that comes from the branch is not for the branch. Fruit produced by the branch is meant for someone else. It's not meant for you. If you interpret love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all that for you, you will just suck the life out of a room. Because it's all about you. And if somebody doesn't help you have love, help you have joy, help you have peace, then you want to get out of the situation. Fruit was never meant to be for you. Fruit is produced by a branch attached to the vine so that it might be for someone else. Let me just clarify this. So the fruit of the Spirit, again, love, Joy, I need some of that in my life, right? We all do. Peace, I need some of that in my life. And we've all prayed, God, I need to feel your love. I need to know your joy. I want to know your peace. But here's the one of all the fruit that tip it off to say it's not just for me and you, God. It's about someone else. Love, joy, peace. Uh-oh. See? You don't get patience unless it has to do with someone else. That's the one that kind of tips us all off, like, "Uh uh-oh, I've done misread this thing. (laughs) I thought it was all about me feeling some fruit in my life. I thought it was all about just me and God. I thought it was all about me having some love in my life so I can feel more loved. That was all about me having more joy so I can just feel more joy. You've interpreted the whole thing with a self-bias. You've missed 
the point altogether. Self-bias will do that. So Jesus is saying, here's what glorifies my Father, that you bear much fruit. Bear much fruit. We've kind of dealt with this much thing a little bit. Bear, it means, it's meant to come from me. It's to, I'm to bear this. Carry it. Carry it out. Have it come out of me. You see, what these branches are doing right now is receiving their life from the vine. I'm not going to talk about our Texas misunderstanding of this again because I've done it every week. This is the vine. These are the branches. Their life is coming from what's inside, not what is produced outside. I need some love and some peace and joy in my life. I get that from being attached to the vine. That's where it comes from. I don't get it because I produce fruit. I get it from inside, and what comes out of me is the fruit. So I have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ that gives me peace. My sins are paid for. He has removed them from me as far as the east is from the west. He actually calls me blameless. And righteous. I have a hard time wrapping my mind around that, but I wrap my heart around it tightly. I get my peace comes from my attachment to Him. Are you with me? So as that peace flows into me because of my attachment to the vine, I come upon situations and I meet other people who are at a place where they do not have some peace in their life. And in that moment, fruit comes out of my words and my actions to help them know peace. Are you with me? That's the process. That's the order. If you get that out of order and you expect the people in your life to make you have love, joy, and peace, I can tell you already what has happened to you. You have been frustrated You have been disappointed. You have been saddened. You have been wanting to walk away because they didn't give you what you needed. You can't get from them what you need because what you need is in the vine. But when you get it from the vine, you can have it produced as fruit in your life. It's always interesting to kind of look beyond the the surface. There's interesting wording here in this verse, John 15, 8, that you bear much fruit. We know fruit. We know grapes, oranges, peaches, cantaloupe, watermelon. We know all that. Take a stroll through the produce department, local grocery store, you see fruit. But if we were living in the time in which the New Testament was written and the word fruit was 
spoken or written, we would know that it came from a root word. It came from another place, which helped gives it its meaning. And that word that it comes from, the word for fruit, is the word that means pluck. You did not associate fruit without thinking of plucked. When you thought of fruit, you thought of something that was going to be plucked, taken away, was no longer going to stay with the rest of the fruit. These grapes produced by a branch attached to a vine were made for one purpose. They were meant to be plucked, to be removed. You don't hurt the branch by removing the fruit. You didn't damage it. It was actually designed by God for that purpose so that the branch pieces would let go of the fruit. You don't have to wrestle with it. You just pluck it and it comes right off. It is meant and designed to come off of the branch pieces. Fruit was meant to be plucked. And then it was meant to be enjoyed. Good grapes. Takes a while to chew a grape. takes a little while to feel some love and peace and joy from someone else. It means you've got to get close to people. It means you have to share your life with them. And it also means you've got to be willing to put your life out there in such a way that you don't mind being plucked. To have some fruit produced in your life. And you don't mind it when someone comes up and tries your patience, right? We often see that as a bad thing. We do. They're testing my patience, boy. They're really pushing my buttons. Boy, they really know how to get up in my grill, boy. They re-. You know, that's the stuff we say. I just wonder if God doesn't laugh at that and say, Hello. I'm trying to get your fruit off of your branch and I can't get it from you to them unless they come up and pluck it. You're going to have to have your patience tried if you want to have some fruit shown. It doesn't do any good to stay right here. This looks good for a little while. It's all pretty and the grapes are all plump and nice and they're tight and close up together. If I stood here for about two more weeks holding this and you just kept looking at that, it would get nasty. It'd be gross. They'd all be shriveled and there'd be some mold growing on it. You know, like the ones that happen down the bottom of your refrigerator when you forget you had some grapes down there and you pull that vegetable thing out, that bin, you're like, oh, you throw it away. That's what happens if fruit 
stays on the branch and never gets plucked and never gets eaten. It's meant to leave you. You gotta have some people come up in your life that try your patience. That are hard to love. That create a little tension. You can't show peace and bring the fruit of peace until you're in some conflict. You can't show the fruit of faithfulness until you're in a situation that's going to try the very fiber of your faithfulness. You can't demonstrate self-control, one of the fruit of the Spirit, unless you are willing to bring the life of Jesus Christ to bear on your appetites. This is where fruit is produced. You have to be willing to be plucked. Let me just read this. By this my Father is glorified that you are willing to be plucked. If there's no plucking, there's no glory. If you're not willing to get involved in the lives of people, if you're not willing to get in some situations, if you're not willing to grow and be changed and produce fruit and be pruned, if you're just wanting to play it safe, then you'll stay in a little bitty pot locked away from the light with no water coming in and you will not have the glory or the fruit in your life, that you bear much fruit. You see, I just wonder if the branch would have to be told, hey, you're going to produce some of this soon, but when you do, just remember, this is not for you. This is for someone else. This is going to come from you. It's actually going to be taken from you. And often, it's going to be taken by force from you. You you can't pluck without there being force applied. Right? I got a stem. (laughs) You have to be willing to have the fruit leave you. It's not for you. Your life is in the vine. You say, well, I have needs though. Of course you do. Right here is where you get your needs met from the vine. It gives you life. Let it flow from you.
So you and I should not be the ones who complain when we're tested, when we're pressed, when we are taken advantage of and have in that moment the feeling of we just had something plucked away from us. This is your why. And this is why. And this is why it happens. This is why you've been pruned. This is why you have grown. This is why the vine dresser has lifted you up. This is why all of this has happened. This is why another season will come and there'll be more fruit from you. This is why. So that the fruit will leave you. It's not about you. The final part of the verse says this. For so you will be my disciples. Jesus would say, when you do this, when you bear the fruit, it comes from you because you've abided in the vine and you're willing to be plucked and not complain about it, not be bitter about it, but see it as an opportunity for the life inside to be shown. When you're willing to do that, then you will be my disciples. You will, watch this, you will in that moment look like me, Jesus said. Isn't that where we started? He works all things together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. All that we might be conformed into the very image, and here Jesus says it, if you're willing, if you're willing to be plucked, it will cause you to be seen as my disciples. You will finally look like me. Mm. It's true for us personally. It kind of gives new perspective to life all of a sudden, right? The stuff that's going on in your own personal life right now, it's not about you. It's about him. And it's about what he's doing in you. So you, you tell yourself every day, okay, this situation is not about me. It's so crazy how that happens, though. I mean, you're driving on the highway. I use that illustration a lot for a reason. You're driving on the highway, and someone cuts you off. And there's this crazy thought process that happens almost for all of us. What do they have against me? What are they trying to do to me? I, what do they, they, they must know who I am. They're out to get me. I bet this was somehow fill-in-the-blank related. I bet this is why. This is why they did it. We come up with all these reasons like they're out to get me. No, that is just your crazy, insecure self-talking. That's your self-bias completely misreading the situation. It's your self-bias missing the moment to let the fruit of the Spirit be shown and not the fool-headed heart inside you. Amen? It's not about you. Your family. It's not about you. It's not about you in the family, and it's not all about your family even. Your family exists for the glory of God. Your home, it's not about you. I know, you don't want to have people over because they might see your home and conclude some things about you. You're thinking, you're way overthinking this thing. It's not about you. It's about the glory of God and his work in us. And if that means, God, I need to change, I change. 
I'm willing to surrender. I'm willing to be plucked if necessary so that you can be seen. It's not even about us as a church. We, Vertical Church, exist not for ourselves. It's a good reminder. We are not here because we like this place. Mm, I'm talking to myself. We are not here because it's comfortable. We are not here because we have some friends here. We have been placed here by God to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ in this area. We have been given the gospel message to leave our lips and to leave our life here in this area. It's tempting to want to come in, grab your chair, sit down, make it all about me, feed me. It's not about me. We are here to pour ourselves out so that people who come here might experience the glory of God and be changed. Amen? It's not about me. Jesus said you will be a true disciple. What's fascinating to me is that um, context. Jesus is on his way to the Garden of Gethsemane. Having lived a life of love and truth. Having done nothing wrong. Yet he will walk into that garden, surrender his will to the Father, and in that moment will begin a process of plucking. Jesus himself will be the one who is plucked. He will have the fruit of his love taken away. He will have the very life flowing within him plucked away. He'll be falsely accused. He'll be led astray. He will be pierced, beaten, and become a sacrifice for our sin. He will be plucked. It gives me a whole new insight into what Jesus was talking about here to the disciples. He'll be taken and plucked. And so you and I are called to live that life. If you're willing to be pruned, be lifted up when necessary, be trained, be fed, be watered, and be plucked, then you will be truly a disciple of Jesus Christ. You will experience his life within you. Would you bow your heads with me today? I know God's been speaking throughout this series the last two months. I know he has been challenging us. I know he has been calling us to change. And for some, you've, you've made those steps along the way already. But maybe today you've come up to this moment and you have resisted. You've said, wait a minute, I'm not interested in changing. I don't want to change. I'm not the one who needs to change. And you've sat everywhere except in the chair of change. 
And right now, God is calling you to surrender, to submit, to believe, to trust, and to be his disciple. Father, today I thank you that the work you are doing in us is bigger than what we can understand. Your word is true, and you'll arrange even sometimes of pruning and plucking so that your glory would be seen, so that heaven would crack open and the very glory that comes from your throne would be seen would be seen in the life of Jesus as he laid it down for sinners, would be seen as he cried out, it is finished, would be seen also as he was put into a tomb, would be seen as three days later he rose from the dead, defeating sin and death and the grave and hell itself. And Father, today, you tell us if we'll walk in your steps, if we'll allow your life to flow through us, we'll also be willing to be plucked, taken advantage of. We'll give ourselves away. We'll allow pressure to come. And through all of it, we will show the fruit, the life that's inside us. So today we come to glorify you. We come to see heaven part open and see your glory. Father, for those in the room here today, who maybe have never taken that step, I ask for your grace and power within their lives that today for the first time they would surrender and say, God, I have sinned. I need a Savior. Would you forgive me of my sin? Thank you for life. Thank you for hope. Thank you for loving me. And that they would know in that moment they've received life. They've been born again. And Father, for those in the room that are, they're already in the vine, but they've pushed, they've pushed back, they've resisted, and today you've called them. I pray today we all would surrender, we'd submit, and we'd see incredible breakthroughs coming because we have surrendered. We are receiving the life that's in the vine. We're believing, we're trusting, we're abiding. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for being our vine. And Father, we thank you for being the vine dresser and spirit for being the one who fills us with life. We pray this in Christ's name today. Amen. I really hope you enjoyed today's broadcast. I hope it has inspired you to lift him up and live him out. If you'd like to know more about Vertical Church, check us out online at verticalchurchovilla.com. We'll see you next time.